Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, Southside. Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome home. So glad that you would choose to make this time, which I believe is one of the most important times of your week, you would make the decision to join us and be a part of this day with us. So excited about what today holds and to be able to share with you another part of the story of the series called It's Not Over. I think people need to hear that today. I think they need to know the message that Jesus communicates over and over and over again that simply tells you there's hope and it's not over. I'm the eternal optimist. I'm going to believe like a little orphan Annie, the sun is going to come out tomorrow. When you're stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, pick up your chin and grin and say, the sun's going to come out tomorrow. So I believe that. And, and, and when I, when I live my life through the word of God and let the word of God speak into my life and feel my, my needs inside of me, God helps me to see that. Because there is, I believe this, there is nothing that I can't do when he is in it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The key to that is not that I can do it. It's that I can do it through Christ because he's the one that strengthens me. Today, we're going to talk about our spiritual journey. And every spiritual journey begins with realizing that we have a deeper need than we can feel on our own. You have needs that you can't feel in your own strength and power. Our culture, our world, and the television, you can't watch a TV show today without commercials being, your, your mind being inundated with messages of what you don't have but you need or something that you're missing or needing in your life that, that this product or this drug or this thing can feel. And so, so let's take it deeper today. Let's don't talk about surface issues. Let's talk about internal issues. Let's talk about the deep recesses of our life that we really don't allow anyone into to see. Let's talk about the things that only really we know about or think about those things and how we, how we protect ourselves from hurt and pain, but let's find out a way we can truly deal with it because it's a spiritual journey. And every spiritual journey begins with realizing that you and I have needs that are deeper than we can feel on our own. And so how can you find the strength and the resolve to withstand whatever word, the pain, the difficulty, the problem, the trial, the tribulation, the struggle of life? How can you find the strength and the resolve to, res- to withstand it? Well, it's a spiritual journey, and you have to come first to the realization that you've got a need that you can't feel on your own. Today, John chapter 19, verse 28, it's one of the seven statements that Jesus makes while he's on the cross. He begins with a statement of forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Then he has a statement of of, of salvation and then a, a statement of abandonment. And then here we are, a statement of distress. Jesus said before this, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? And, and knowing the story of Easter, knowing the journey of Jesus to the cross, we understand today and know why Jesus felt abandoned because he was having placed on him the sins of mankind. It's, it, you can look at that and say, it's not fair. Well, it's not. Life's not fair. Life is hard and difficult and it's not fair, but neither is Christianity. If Christianity were fair, you and I would have to be on the cross to pay for our sin. But because Jesus did it, we don't have to. Listen, nobody said following Jesus would be easy, but Jesus did say that it would be worth it. 
And so here, the fifth statement that he makes while he's on the cross is, I am thirsty. Jesus just, he, he's, been, he's been tortured, his body mutilated. He's had nine-inch nails and spikes driven in his wrist and his feet, and he's hanging. His weight of his body is hanging on these spikes. And, and in order to just to get air to breathe, you'd have to push yourself up, get a, a breath of air, and then fall back down. It was excruciating torture, one of the most cruel forms of torture you would ever see in the history of the world. Jesus is thirsty, and he utters that statement. It's a place in his life of distress. And why is he thirsty? Well, his body is in distress. His body is dying, and it is calling out for a need that it has. But he's also got something else to say. He's got two other things to say, and we'll cover those in the next two weeks. But today, today, he's he's he the message. The message is about satisfaction and where you go to find it. See, satisfaction isn't found in what you do or what you have. We learned today that satisfaction is found in Jesus. Mick Jagger saying it, right? I can't get no satisfaction. But, but, but here in this place, I want to show you where you can have it, where you can find it. Even when we struggle in the difficult places of life. See, today I want to talk about how we fight our battles. Because we all have a way that we fight. My dad used to tell me there's no fair way to fight. And he's right. There's no fair way to fight. But, but, but sometimes in, in the, in the dark recesses of our mind, in our heart, in our life, we, we forget that. We forget that mentality and, and we forget, we, we, we lose the resolve a lot of times to fight back. And so when I'm looking today at, and, and sharing this story with you in John chapter four, it's from a lady who visited Jesus at a well. She didn't know Jesus was going to be there. We just know her as the woman at the well. But it's in John chapter four, and Jesus has an encounter with her that radically reshapes her life. But, but it's, it's, that's the point where I want to get to. But before we get there, I want to talk about how we fight our battles. Because when I, I read her story and look at how she defended herself, how she fought, how she, how she really pushed back against the creator of the world, the author of life, I find a lot of similarities in myself. And maybe you will as well. How do you fight your battles? Well, number one, we isolate ourselves. We do that. I do that. Do you do that? Do, 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 you, do you isolate yourself and, and begin to let the noise in your head and the voices inside of you tell you that no one understands. You're all alone. No one can relate. People will think you're crazy if you tell them, or whatever it is. I don't know what we tell ourselves or the lies that we believe, but, but I do know this. We are, we are prone to isolate ourselves, which is a tactic, and, and by the way, it's an effective tactic of the devil. That's what he wants to do. And he's been doing it since the beginning of time. Since Genesis 3, he's been working to isolate us from the creator of our life, the creator of the world, the author of life. The enemy does not want you to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He does not want you to recognize that God made you, put air into your lungs, made you a living being. He doesn't want you to know that God loves you. He doesn't want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He doesn't want you to know that God may use hardship 
hardships, trials, pains, difficulties, and problems to shape you, mold you, and make you into who he wants you to be for such a time as this. He doesn't want you to live with purpose. He doesn't want you to live with joy. He doesn't want you to live with peace and passion in your life. He wants you to be defeated. He wants you to be dead. He wants you to go to hell. And if he can isolate you, he can defeat you. And that's what we do. And how do we fight our battles? Well, number one, we isolate ourselves. And here's the story. John chapter four. It says, Jesus left Judea and he went again to Galilee. That's what Jesus did. He was on his way. He had a mission. He was on a mission, so you better just listen to his rhymes because he's all about to anyway. This is what he did. He was on a mission with his disciples. This is early on in his public ministry, in the very beginning of that. And he's leaving Judea, going to Galilee. But he had to travel through Samaria. Why is, why is that? Why, why put that there? Why is that significant? Because Jews in that day and time did not travel through Samaria. Samaria was originally a, a, a part of the nation of Israel. And when the nation of Israel in the Old Testament time was divided into two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom, Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah. And the Assyrian Empire came in and, 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 and took over the northern kingdom. And, and they removed people from Samaria and replaced them with Assyrians and people from other lands. And so the remaining Jews that were there intermarried with the, the, the new foreign people that were there and created what became known as this mixed race of people called the Samaritans. There's a story in the Bible that we call the story of the Good Samaritan. Why is that? That shouldn't be weird for us because if somebody does a good deed here, we call them a Good Samaritan and give them a Good Samaritan award. To a Jew, to a good Jew, a pure Jew, a holy Jew, there's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. It's not possible. And so they would go around and out of their way to keep from having to travel through Samaria. But not Jesus. He had to go there. And so that's what they did. And so he came with his disciples to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Context and location is what we're getting here. And it says Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at that well. That well is still there today. You can still go there today and have a drink of cool water from that well. And it was about six in the evening. Now, that time frame is a little different than our six o'clock in the evening. It was really about lunchtime, high noon. And so it was the hottest part of the day. Jesus is tired and he sits down. And the Bible says that a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, now, what's some of the significance around this story? Well, it's the hottest part of the day and, and normally no one would be there. Why? Because it's hot. And, and ladies were the ones who came out of town and drew water for their families. They would draw water in the morning for the needs of the day early in the morning and then they would draw water in the in the evening for the for the for the 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 needs of the night very seldom if ever did you find somebody coming in the hottest part of the day to draw water but this lady did i wonder why well we know a lot about this lady from the story that we'll see in a little bit later but but one thing that is is kind of apparent 
is she is not welcome in the early morning hours or the later evening hours. She's a lady of questionable character. She's a lady that would probably have been the topic of discussion in the morning hours and the evening hours. She was a lady that would have probably um, been a social outcast to the other ladies of the town. And so she comes in the middle of the day hoping to find no one, and she stumbles across a man sitting there, not just a man but a Jew, who asks her for a drink of water. I'll say this. If you put your validation in other people's hands, you will always have to keep going back for it. If you're finding your validation, your worth, your value in what other people think, other people say, and what other people like on social media, you will always have to keep going back for it. You see that with our young people today. They live for the like. They live for the heart. They live for the interaction that's found on media, on social media, the streaks, the things that they have where they're, they're, they're building those, those, those relationships that are online. And, and really and truly, mom and dad, we're no different. We are the same way. And, and so much of our validation is found in the opinions and approvals of others. And I promise you, if you go to that well to get that, you'll have to constantly keep going back to get it over and over and over again. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to fighting personal battles, internal struggles, I don't know about you, but this is what I do probably more times than not is I find myself in isolation. I put myself in a place or allow myself to go to a place where in my mind, no one can understand, they can't relate. I'm all alone, and I'm a terrible, no-good person. This is how we fight our battles. We isolate ourselves. Number two, we build walls to protect ourselves. Not only do we isolate ourselves, we then, we then erect walls in the internal places of our life that, that, that we use to protect us. Walls can be used as defensive measures. And so we build walls. And, and you can call it your personal private space or whatever, but it, the walls say you can come to this place, but you can't come any further. This is as close as I'm going to let you get. This is as close as you get to me, and I I can't let you in here because you may not like what you see. You may not validate me and may not make me feel good about myself. So I've got to keep myself isolated and I'm going to build walls to protect me. That's what she did. She says this, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? It was unheard of. He didn't do that. And, and so what you see from her, I can I pick up a, a, a hint of bitterness here, a hint of resentment. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? I, I, I get it. That's exactly what we're doing. We are building walls. We do the same thing. That Jesus is a Jew, she's a Samaritan. It, was, it wasn't even common for them to interact. But Jesus says this. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you 
living water. This is John chapter 4. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus have an interesting and very similar conversation with a Jewish man named Nicodemus. He was a religious leader, a Pharisee. And, and in that story, Jesus talks about being born again. And, and it was baffling to, to, to Nicodemus. He couldn't, he was trying to physically figure that out. And he said, it's impossible. Well, the same conversation is happening here. And Jesus said, if you just knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you, would, you, wouldn't add, you wouldn't worry about giving me a drink. You would ask me for living water. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? She's trying to process it in her mind and figure out what it is she needs. He's asking for. She says, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. What she's doing is she's, she's got walls built up. She's got an answer. She's got an answer for the pain and the problems. She doesn't want to allow this man. This man is wanting to interact with her. You want a drink of water? I'll give you a drink of water and you go on your way. But Jesus is is having a conversation with her and interacting with her. Why? He had to go to Samaria. He had to stop at this well. He had to have an encounter with this lady. Why? Because of what she was doing to herself, what she was allowing the enemy to do and do it to herself. How do we fight our battles? We isolate ourselves. Then we build up walls to defend or protect ourselves. See, God can't fill you with himself when you're still full of yourself. If you want God to fill you of himself, you first got to learn how to empty you of yourself. How do we fight our battles? Well, we don't just isolate ourselves. We don't just build walls to protect ourselves. We look for easy solutions. You might call it, or we say this, we look for the quick fix. We look for the quick fix, or we look for easy solutions to help ourselves. And that's what she does in this case. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, from this well, will get thirsty again. But... Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water that I will give him will become a well of water springing up from within him for eternal life. What Jesus is speaking of here is not just water that you drink from a bottle or water that you drink from a faucet or from a well. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. It's a reference to the Spirit of God, the living, eternal, life-giving, ever-flowing, never-ending Spirit of God that Jesus wants to put inside of us at the moment we put our faith and trust in him. He wants to deposit the spirit of God in you according to Ephesians. Why? As a guarantee, a deposit that he is with you and will never leave you. And according to Galatians, so that the fruit of the spirit will be cultivated inside of us and it will grow. Fruits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants that to grow and bloom inside of us so that we can pick fruit and eat of it and experience it in our life. But we don't do that. We isolate ourselves. We build walls to protect ourselves and we look for easy solutions to help ourselves to keep us from having to deal with the true problem. This woman says, sir, give me this water. This is the quick fix. Here's the easy solution. 
so that I won't get thirsty and come back here to draw water. So that I won't, so that, so that I won't, I won't have to come back to this place in the hottest part of the day so that I won't have to come in the morning or the evening and find myself being, being, uh, uh, put down and ridiculed and mocked because of my lifestyle and choices. She wants a quick fix. See, everybody drinks from something. Why do you get on social media? Why do you go to the mall? <laughs> why do you eat Doritos? You know? <laughs> why, do you, why do you put so much pressure on your kids? Why are you looking at that? Why are you texting her or him back? She's saying, give me this so that I won't be trapped anymore. See, it's not a sin to be thirsty. It's just where you go to get your fix that determines whether or not you are truly satisfied. I think we're so much like this lady. We isolate ourselves, thinking that nobody else will understand and nobody will get me. We build up walls and barriers to protect ourselves. We look for easy solutions or quick fixes so that we don't really have to dig in and deal with the deep, painful places of life. Then, then we fight back from behind our walls. To Why? To, to protect ourselves. We, we shoot our arrows back across. We fire our guns back across from behind our walls, and that's what she did. Look right here. Jesus says, she will say, hey, give me this water so I don't have to come back here and be thirsty again. He says, go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. Simple request. Yeah, Larry, is his name Larry? I think his name's Larry. Go call Larry and tell him to come back. This is what she says. I don't have a husband, she answered. He's like, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. Shooting back. Deflection. I'm just deflecting. I'm trying to keep you outside of my walls. Funny thing about walls, inside or outside, they don't stop Jesus from going to where he wants to go. Jesus said, you have correctly answered, I don't have a husband. He said, as a matter of fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So what you have said is true. At which point, the lady did this. She, you know, this is where they are. She's like, wait a second. This is how she responds. I mean, what would you say? What would you say if that were you? And to say, I mean, this man that you don't know, you've never seen before in your life, he asked you to go call your husband. You say, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've, got, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now, the guy you're shagging up with ain't your husband. So what you've said is true. She's probably thinking, you were here this morning listening to them women, weren't you? Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Deflection. Firing it back across. <laughs> then she gets religious. She says, since you want to talk about religion, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews. You ever had a conversation with somebody? It's going well. Conversation, you're trying to have a, a, a spiritual conversation with somebody, and, and you're interacting, and, and, and you hit a nerve. You get to a place, 
and they fire back. They want to they know, they, they all of a sudden shoot back about the Bible. Well, what about this in the Bible? What about that? What about homosexuality? What about abortion? What about this? What about that? What you've done is it's struck a nerve. And so you've, tr- you've, you've, you've actually tried to get around the wall. And now they're going to fire back at you. That's exactly what she did. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. That's what they did. There were two temples at one point, and so the Samaritans and the Jews, they always had this struggle about where was the real place of worship. And Jesus told her, believe me, ma'am, woman is a term for ma'am. An hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Look at what he says. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. That's true. The Savior of the world is a Jewish man. He came to the Jews. He came to them first, and salvation came first to them. But an hour is coming. Jesus said there is a time that is coming. And look, and it's now here. This is the moment you've been waiting for. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not about location. It's not about what you wear. It's not about what you drive. It's not about who you know. It's not about what you give. It's not about what you do. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He says, yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said if you want to worship the Father, the true worshipers will base their worship on truth, and in the deep recesses of their heart where they allow the Spirit of God to come in through the walls tear down the walls, develop a relationship, and pour living, continually flowing water that satisfies you in a way that nothing else can. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Here it is. She opened the door a little bit at the gate because she's realizing, wait a second, he's not here to judge me. She's trust, she's opening it up just a little bit. You know, I've been told and taught by my mama, my daddy, that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell and explain everything to us. One of the greatest statements written in the Bible. Jesus said, I am he. The one speaking to you. (laughs) Wow. Live in that moment. Put yourself in her place. She's been hurt and wounded, not by one marriage and failure, 
but another and another and another and another. And maybe she's on the verge of another disaster. She's being ridiculed and talked about. and She's an outcast. And here's another man wanting to do something else to hurt her. Wanting something else from her. Sir, why can't you just leave me alone? Why can't you just let me get to a place and let me get some water and leave? See, Jesus had to go there. She wanted to isolate herself. She wanted to build walls to protect herself. She did. She wanted to find a quick fix, an easy solution to help herself. She even wanted to shoot back some missiles, some arrows, some darts, some bullets from behind the wall to protect herself. But in this place, she met somebody she didn't realize she had been looking for all of her life. I've been taught all my life that the Messiah is coming. And Jesus said, he is here. I'll tell you today, until Jesus is enough for you, no person or thing ever will be. Until Jesus the Christ is enough for you, no person or thing will ever be. You know what she does? She came to a point of decision. The Bible says that the disciples showed up and saw Jesus speaking to her, and she left. She left her jar. She ran back into town. That jar symbolized so many negative things about her life. She left it. And she went back into town and she told a group of men, she said, come see a man. I'm sure they were like, yeah, here's another one for you. Come see a man who's told me everything that I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? It's the first text in the Gospels of someone responding to the message of Jesus Christ. And the men of the town came out and they sat and they listened to him and they asked him to stay for two days. And at the end of the story, they tell her, we believe now because we've heard him ourselves, not because we came because you told us. We believe because we saw him. And many believed on him that day. Later on in John chapter 7, it says on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. Because the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing from deep within him. Today, it's very simple. I don't know how you fight your battles, but I do know this. Jesus is the one you're looking for. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? So wherever you're sitting today, whatever you're riding in the car, you're sitting at home, maybe you're by yourself or you're with somebody else, 
How do you fight your battles? Do you isolate yourself? Have you built up walls to keep people away? Are you looking for quick and easy, cheap fixes? Do you even shoot back to repel the attacks or the people that are trying to get in? Well, today learn from the woman at the well that the one who wants to give living water or who offered living water to her is offering it to you. Jesus is the one you're looking for. And today in this moment, why don't you call out to him? Why don't you call on his name today? Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Cry out for him to be your Savior. Ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Take the next step. Let us know. Tell us you did it. Comment below. Let us know that you said yes today to the Savior of the world. Come and find us at Commerce and Redstone. Let's make, make, make church a, a weekly occurrence in your life. Let's make, let's give Jesus a place to work and move inside of you on a daily basis so that he can bring living water into your soul and satisfy your every need. God bless you. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.